Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Today's episode is supported by A Kid's Book About, a collection of beautifully designed books that kickstart challenging and empowering conversations between kids and their grown-ups. It's no surprise at all that we like talking about the hard stuff with one another, with you all, and with our kids, which is why this new series has resonated so much with us. A Kid's Book About releases new books every month from experts and authors who bring their personal stories, practical wisdom, and childlike playfulness to the page. They explore topics like belonging, feminism, body image, racism, gratitude, and beyond. Life is complicated, and their mission is to help kids and their grown-ups have honest conversations about things that matter. We think that's pretty cool, so visit today's show notes to learn more. Now, on to our episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome. If you are new to upbringing, uh, we are sisters and moms to three, four, five, and six-year-olds who both inspire us and challenge us every goddamn day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to acknowledge our privilege really quick that the, we get to talk about this stuff as our job. We're lucky. We're super lucky. We love it. And we want to do a quick disclaimer that though we have many certifications and trainings, we're not doctors or licensed therapists. Nope. nope. Okay. So, okay. This season... This is our freedom to play episode, which I'm so excited about. Really excited. Um, This season's podcast episodes, we are unpacking each of our freedoms within this freedoms model we've created, um, which is downloadable on our website. So go check that out. Yeah, basically the freedoms are basic human rights for our kids. Mm -hmm. And they're also areas in their their lives, free to play, free to struggle, free to nourish. Those are the ones we've done so far. Free to feel, free Mm -hmm. to contribute, free to know. Free to speak. Yeah, these are all areas of their lives, our kids' lives, that we tend to Mm over-control, dominate, get in the way of their learning. Where the division of responsibility is a little murky. It is. It's a little hazy. And where it's, it's really easy for us to... For them to lose out on building some skills where we can be putting some unnecessary pressure on our relationship mm-hmm. where it's just not fun. So we're kind of unpacking each of these to find out what is the, what is the way we can sensitively support our kids in these realms of growing and living. And also think about those things for ourselves as grown-ass women. Yeah. And we want to sensitively support those, not just because we believe it's the respectful thing to do, but but we want them to have a really intimate connection to themselves, their inner wisdom and inner authority, and build skills, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's the plan. Yeah, and like be friends with us someday. Come to Thanksgiving. That'd be good. (laughs) Totally. 
Um, okay, so we're, we're going to have this free-to-play episode followed by a free-to-play Q&A episode. So yeah. tune into that. We're going to talk about supporting independent play in two different situations, I believe. Maybe a type of bored kid, quote-unquote bored kid at Oh, home. God, I hate those. And, um, and also kind of a risky play situation at the park between siblings. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So um, I like to start these freedom episodes with some goals. Wait, before uh, we do goals, I what? feel like last week we forgot to do our hard oh, stuff, shit. the good stuff story. We did it story. again. You almost. almost did it again. Uh, oh. Yeah. So we're going to do a quick, the hard stuff's the good stuff <clears throat> personal story from this week. Um, Just to warm us up a little bit. Yeah. So what was what was hard for you this week? Oy, oy, oy. I mean, speaking of play in the realm of play, mm-hmm. uh, we have you know we have dinner over at your house. For those of you who don't know, we all live on a farm in separate houses across the property from one another. And many evenings per week, uh, we uh, share dinner together. Mm-hmm. So I think I know where you're going with this. My one. kids were yep, <laughs> it burned into my memory. Yeah, yeah. So we had dinner. Everybody, uh, you know, seemed to enjoy it. Whatnot. Uh, they all went off to play, and Kelty and I were. Just sitting for a moment, we'd I think we'd cleared the table. Mm-hmm. We'd been spending like maybe five, ten minutes clearing the table. We sat down. I swear to God, it was less than ten minutes, yeah. and they were all playing what sounded like really well successfully in, in mm-hmm. my kid's bedroom. Yeah, they'd, I think they'd run off being like, "We're gonna be pirates!" Like some song we'd heard mm-hmm. earlier that day inspired them, and they were we could hear them, you know, organizing, being like, "No, you're doing this, and no, this." We're like, okay. "Oh, that's so cute." They're, they're all not, working together. They're not hurting each other anymore. No, maybe we've hit a new milestone. No three stooges. <laughs> I put poking out and mm-hmm. bonks on the head and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were right. There was none of that no. happening. But at, at about 10 minutes, we were just like, it's kind of quiet. And yeah. just as we were getting up, Roy comes just skipping out, remember? Okay. And half, like ha- out of, my half of her bangs were cut. <laughs> like basically, they were basi- they were kind of to her eye level. <clears throat> She'd been half- growing them out so diligently yeah. for months and months. <laughs> um, so half of them were, were gone, yeah. basically. And we were like, Oh my God, what's going on? Mm-hmm. We run in there. In front of the mirror, there's like le- legit a pile of hair. And it wasn't all Roy's hair either. There was a bunch there of blonde, blonde hair. So yeah. I was like, is it Laszlo's? Is it Wilder's? Is it Innie's? I have no idea whose hair. So we start checking heads. And while we're checking heads, I start picking up the mm. the um, the hair. And mm. then I see Inigo Montoya's sword broken off. Yeah, Kelty has a figure commemorative, like statue. a beautiful figure, like tall, like foot tall Inigo Montoya from the Princess Bride with his sword because uh, Inigo, her son, is named partially after him, right? Yeah. Anyway, the anyway. sword was broken off oh, God, off yeah. the statue. I wasn't there for that part. I was probably like, la la la, this isn't happening. The room was basically tossed, and Innie had peed on the bed. What else had happened? Oh, oh. <laughs> With said scissors, right. which we can trust them with the scissors. That's why this is so crazy. I know they only ever just like do a little cut, cut and glue project or something mm-hmm. at the table, and then I bend over and pick up just what just looks like a little scrap of fabric, and I was like, "What is this?" And then I realized that it's bottom sheet. It looked like bottom sheet, mm-hmm. and someone had cut a square like like a the pretty, size pretty the size of shape. a peanut butter and jelly sandwich yeah. out of the bottom sheet on one of the beds. 
Come to find out then there was also one on the upper bed. And no one would say what anybody else did, which, okay, I'm going to dive right into the, why this is the good stuff. Oh, is that They all band together and no one was pointing fingers or selling mm. each other out, which I thought was pretty cool. Thanks. That spoke really well to their bond. They were like, mm-hmm. I don't know who did that. I don't know. I was like, wow, this is a tight ship. Yeah. Tight, tight ship. <laughs> the wow. tight pirate yes. ship. Oh, but yeah, uh, but then they sort of explained all the things. They were like, the hair cutting was on the tight rope mm-hmm. or on the plank. On the plank. On the yeah. plank. And then, and Lazo was like, <clears throat> I needed his sword. We're playing pirates. And it was all very legit, mm-hmm. but nobody wanted to talk about the sheet cutting. Nope. That's a mystery Still that a will mystery. remain for another day. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so good stuff. They were all playing well together. Nobody got hurt. We had those 10 minutes. Pretty, those are pretty sweet. Pretty amazing, imaginative play. Yeah. This turned out great. It's, it, it, it felt very great. hard in the moment. We definitely yelled at them. Yeah. Luckily, like, also, the hair cutting was Laszlo's. It was his blonde hair, which he has big rolling curls, so you couldn't even tell. We couldn't tell where like, it came from. Where it came from. Yeah. If it had been in his hair, he would have had like a, just a huge chunk missing. He probably. has those he has anyway. finer, finer hair, yeah. you know. Oh my God. Anyway, I want to talk about one more example. And I think some people are privy to our car traumas lately when Mm -hmm. we're driving all four kids to school and back. Some rides are just absolute fucking torture Mm -hmm. Um, with everyone in there, all these personalities and needs being met and the noise level. And we're basically trapped and it's just felt so terrible. Mm -hmm. And through writing this free to play episode and all the reading we've been doing for it, I had a realization yesterday that they're playing in the car too. And that even the torturous things they're doing and saying and poking at each other and all of those things are also play. Mm-hmm. And I just, and I think we're going to talk about that more in the episode, but it's just even that, you know, the song <clears throat> that they've been singing on repeat. Don't sing it. It'll get in my head. Is it? Dog King. Don't. He's the Kelsey. king of the dogs. Mother was a dog. Father was Shut a dog. Up. Now he's Dog Stop. King. He's the oh king of the dogs. Oh You're welcome, God. everyone. Now it's in your head forever. <laughs> Anyway, I think we should get into the episode. Okay. What are our goals? Goals. I, I always want to start with goals because you're like, some of this stuff, these ep- these Freedoms episodes, you know, reading about it, learning about it makes me feel like shit a little bit because we're confronting oh, a sure. lot of these um, these hypocrisies, this unconscious um, conditioning, stuff like that. That's, that's just tough. So I, I like to start from a place of hope and optimism and um, that kind of thing. So goals. We are trying to raise a self-directed person who is intimately connected to their curiosity and passion, who believes that work and play are not mutually exclusive, who independently and consistently creates from a self-directed search for understanding and joy without external prompting or over-concern for how they or what they might create may be judged by others. Mm -hmm. Goals. It's like, can I be that person? I would like to be that. Goals for me. Goals for them. (laughs) We're all growing up together, right? Yeah. Um, and then, should I read the the little part that that you can download the freedoms episode, uh, the freedoms t- PDF? But this is one of the little portions that we describe. What does this freedom to play mean? We're all free to play, right? No, not necessarily. So this is what this means: art, music, reading, athletics. Allowing kids to choose their own interests and creative pursuits can sometimes feel as though we're neglecting them, or they're missing a learning opportunity. Their play can also be inconvenient, conflict-ridden, obnoxious, and worrisome, leading us to over-control their experience. This freedom is a reminder that play is not just a critical, but inherently personal process of self-discovery and skill building. Freedom to play allows kids to move in the direction of their curiosities, sustain focus, explore cause and effect, innovate and create based on their unique development stage and interest level. We want to sensitively support and respectfully observe their play rather than feel the pressure to direct, dominate, or judge their explorations. 
this is a really goals <laughs> also. But, but this is, yeah, just hearing that makes yeah. me be like, God, we've, we're so conditioned to do those things, mm-hmm. to judge, dominate, and direct our kids' play. And babies. Mm-hmm. We're talking about babies and, and in I mean, a little bit, and too. And our play has always been judged, that's dominated, why. and directed. That's, that's, that's a, a huge condi- part, of, part of the conditioning. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to flip three beliefs. The first belief <clears> today <throat> is play is fun but frivolous. The second belief we're going to flip is it's our job to enhance our kids' play. And the third that we're going to flip is play, what is it? Play looks one way. Right. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> um, yep. Okay, go for it. So play is fun but frivolous. No. Not, no. Well, I mean, I think that, no, it's valuable. It's crazy, crazy valuable. And we're not going to get into this too deep. I love, like, all, I've read so much fun stuff about this, um, but we can't, we can't dive in too much. But I think our instinct is that play is is cute play uh, keeps kids busy and lets Mm -hmm. us get shit done play is fun play is just what kids do but then eventually they're going to need to start doing some real fucking work right right Mm -hmm. um but what i love discovering in reading some of these books um uh free to learn uh play um what are some of the other ones it's okay not to share um we'll list a bunch of these later but that everybody plays from baby to kid to teen to adult and it is a critical and primal uh necessity for us mm-hmm. on so many levels yeah. i want to hear about the animals thing i remember you kind of well, talking and, about yeah, that a little and, bit in the book play by Stuart brown he he like started like the national institute of play and really has studied a lot of this and pulls together all this cool research but that um <clears throat> you know i think many of you have probably thought like okay well why do animal baby animals play well they're practicing for actual hunting or they're practicing for climbing trees and and eating or you know defending themselves or whatever but it turns out that they're not just practicing skills they're also developing social and emotional skills and that's Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that play offers um they did a research study on like it was like kittens or something where they uh let uh, like inhibited some of them from playing and those kittens were still able to hunt so it wasn't like play didn't enable them to hunt they hunted no matter what but play uh actually let them understand which kittens other cats to trust how to interact and organize themselves mm-hmm. um, this is the, how I, to be in the world i realize that this is very interesting but who stops kittens from playing oh my god i hope they burn in hell <laughs> Seriously, who does that for their job? How do they sleep at night? Of course, I'm like, I think this is so fascinating. Kittens from playing with each other. That's my job. Um, And Kelty, you're like, this is terrible. Oh my God. But just the idea that basically play, free play is how kids learn to structure their own behavior. Mm -hmm. And it's a way that they can take charge of their own education. That's the idea. Yeah. Um, Which is pretty cool. It gives them also some meaningful choice and agency and autonomy in the world. And that helps them develop their self-concept. It helps them socialize, problem-solving and empathy stuff. It helps them uh, understand risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and it grows their brains. Yeah, I remember yeah. Uh, Liz Gilbert <clears throat> in, in Big Magic, which is such a fun, amazing book, mm-hmm. um, talks about how play breeds curiosity and mm-hmm. internal directedness and motivation. And like that's where your brilliance is, in playing curiously. When it's like you wonder why all of these big companies have ping pong tables mm-hmm. in their things. It's not just because it's cool. It's because it's functional and productive. It gets their employees to think differently and create some brilliant stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. Um, that's cool. Yeah. 
I don't know. I remember we brought up uh, Amelia and Emily Nagoski's book, uh, Burnout, last mm-hmm. episode. I feel like so their book is so relevant in so many of these freedoms. But I like to think that this is such a feminist issue, too, thinking about play, you know, isn't just like a relaxation thing. But we as women are have this pressure to constantly be productive mm-hmm. are we productive enough you know and, and I, are we doing things for other people too mm-hmm. rather constantly. than ourselves yeah and yeah. play and <clears throat> play has this sort of like selfish connotation uh at times to us and i and i like that uh, taking that idea that we're that we're struggling with ourselves and saying our kids play doesn't have to be productive either it's productive in its own right mm-hmm. you know why do we th- look at play as just like frivolous in mm-hmm. that way and that's mm-hmm. what this belief is so much about is saying no it's really important in all of these ways for for their body for their brain mm-hmm. um for their for their creativity. inner attunement their creativity and i think uh, the book simplicity parenting is good on so many levels mm-hmm. but it was such a huge reminder to me when i read it that our our kids lives are so structured Mm-hmm. and organized and adult organized um not child organized mm-hmm. and that we really want to be fostering authentic independent play because so much of their day is we got to do this time to go do this mm-hmm. time to go do this and play thinking of i love that kelty and thinking of play not as something they do like in between these other more important activities but play being an incredibly important activity to prioritize in of itself to be yeah. prioritizing and leaving space it's, for it's not just the space between to be filled up exactly yeah. what's the second belief um <clears throat> second belief is that it's our job to enhance our kids play mm. which i think that's like you know it's a pretty common a pretty belief common thing yeah. yeah isn't it our job our response responsibility as parents to make our kids lives fun yeah to entertain know? right right we're play their play partner right look that's yeah. what i thought when i had my first was, you know yeah, yeah. it's gonna be is like my buddy and me commercial mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, or that that it was my job as their parent to direct them like why don't you build a tower with that or here here's a ball for you mm-hmm. to do whatever with yeah, um, and our, I think our instinct go too, so tree. much to enhance our kids' play is to praise whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, that's the most beautiful drawing. To participate or, in it with our validation. With our, our validation and mm-hmm. praise, which essentially is judgment. We can talk about that in a bit. But mm-hmm. um, And then how else are we compelled to enhance our kids' play? To teach them too. So, yeah. you know, oh, that's not how you use this toy. Let me show you. Or mm-hmm. here, let me show you how to play this game this certain way. Right. You know? So th- these are, those are all ways that we naturally want to enhance and engage with our kids' play, and ways that you and I, Hannah, mm-hmm. and research is pointing to is saying maybe a little bit of that, but mostly the flip in this belief is that our kids' play is theirs to direct. Right. It's, it's theirs to entertain themselves. It's right. Their personal work. You know. Yeah. Um, and that. You know, like the freedom to nourish episode um, and many other ones that we're coming up with on these freedoms is there's a division of responsibility here. What is our job as parents? What is their job? And as far as things like their personal learning, that trying to get them um, attuned to uh, what they're interested in, what they like, um, how they want to learn best. Like that's the the thing we need to be setting them up to do on their own, and that's going to look yeah. different for every parent and mm-hmm. every kid. D- but we call te- it temperament. Sensitive yeah. support is what we call it. How can yeah. we sensitively support their play? Yeah. Right. Um, Stuart Brown. I also wrote a, a quick note that authentic play comes from deep down inside of us. It's not formed or motivated solely by others. Real play interacts with and involves the outside world, but it fundamentally expresses the needs and desires of the player. 
all evidence indicates that the greatest rewards from play come when it arises naturally from within. So we don't want to be fucking with that. Yeah, but we right? want to show them we love and we want to show them how proud we are. We want to, <clears throat> you know, get in there for QT, you know. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about ways to do that in productive ways, right, that aren't mm-hmm. kind of get, getting up in their grill. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what are some of the downsides that to to kind of getting up in their play a little bit being too, too much. involved a little yeah being too involved or feeling this pressure I think first of all it takes us away from a lot of things that we want to be doing or need to be doing mm-hmm. so it's like it's not that practical necessarily as we said too it's taking them away from their own self education and that's that they're guiding themselves with but are people wondering what like else? are you telling me never to play with my kid like <laughs> are you saying that that's not what we're saying right here no hand. I think what we're trying to do is identify. The fact that there are areas during the day that we play with our kids or have fun with them, but then there are areas of time where they need to have their own self-directed free play time that is theirs Mm -hmm. and that we do not disturb or over-dominate or judge or Mm -hmm. um, kind of get involved, put ourselves between their relationship with their their sense of play. You know, they're going to have so much external... um, external kind of guidance and stuff later like in in school i mean so much um of education is focused on external stuff teachers Mm -hmm. saying do this worksheet you know the school system is is based on kids doing tasks that are directed and evaluated by adults you know Mm -hmm. so we want them to to be able to they're gonna get plenty of that you know, we want them to just be creating their own stuff and learning about who they are and what they're interested in as much as possible now before they go into the world and are told what they're interested in and what they should do. Yeah, I, I remember know. being so surprised <clears throat> too hearing about anxiety and depression correlating with kids' mm. sense of agency, right, and control in their lives, that that lo- internal locus of control, you know. Right, that, how much and, control do they have how, in their own lives? Right, yeah. And when we, I mean, so much being their parents, we have to control so much uh, when they go to bed, when it is eating time. Oh, you can't play with that. Oh, you want to do this. And play needs to be one of those areas where they can just be free, where they can feel like, oh my God, I have control over my own life. Mm -hmm. You know, that gives them a sense of optimism and independence and and agency, right? Mm -hmm. That's really, really important for mental health. I feel like uh, yeah. so much of this one too is about praise, and we we've talked about that in past upbringing episodes about how praise is judgment, and how mm-hmm. our our instinct as parents is to praise the crap out of our kids because we love yeah. them so and much, we and we're build so their self-esteem. proud of them, yeah. and we want to build their self esteem up. and And everything we're reading and everything we're discovering is seriously the opposite of that. Alfie Cohn talks a lot about it in an unconditional parenting, mm-hmm. and listening to him on book on tape, it becomes so obnoxious. His voice, he goes. <laughs> job good job and it's so hard to hear and it's so cringeworthy because we can all put ourselves in those in that place of of distracting our kid away from what they're doing by giving that praise or developing a pattern of mm -hmm. them needing our validation right those are a lot of the downsides of praise is that there we're saying every time you do something it needs to be about my validation that you're performing and achieving based on my standards, right? Yeah. Not on just your own. And I think that it also, so that can create like a praise junkie type situation, but it can also just rob them of the joy of self-discovery and their own internal motiv- motivation. You know? And it can distract yeah. them. I've, I've realized <clears throat> at times like when my kid is making something and I'm like, oh my gosh, look what you're painting or that's so cool. And they, they almost like start for a second mm-hmm. because they were so in the flow and I fucking burst their bubble 
to be like, let's talk about me and what I think about this really quick. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really when I really think about it and get down really deep. Praise is so much about my ego. Mm -hmm. It's it's like a dopamine hit for all of us. It's like, Mm -hmm. I bestow that you are the best kid. And that means that I am the best parent. And this is the best drawing. We're all winning, you know. And it's just, I like that idea, Hannah, that play is not um, performance-based. It's not mm-hmm. performative. And we create that. Mm-hmm. We really this drawing. Do. Your drawing is for me. Your slide move is for me. Your goal is for me. Your, your yeah. tower is for me. And that is not what we want our kids to believe, that everything they create and pursue is based on an authority we have a lot. We have a lot of, um, of, oh, yeah, yeah. of clients that tell us, like, my kid won't leave me alone. They do something. They're like, mom, look. Mom, look what I did. Mom, look what I did. And I think it's because I was there a yeah. lot, sitting there constantly commenting, constantly high-fiving them. The, I mean, the other risk that I've read about recently where I was like, oh, dear God, because, like, it's so hard not to praise our kids like they they do amazing stuff where we see progress we love them they're beautiful they're smart when they finally do something we really want them to do right. we want to praise well, them it's like we want to positive reinforce that right. shit right but um nurture shock is another great book by poe bronson and ashley merriman that i was reading and um, they talk a lot about carol dweck's growth mindset stuff but they she were comes talking up about in every how, single right episode. i think she will yeah but that um when we praise our kids achievement that actually makes them less likely to go for new challenges because we're basically saying i when you do this i love you more and so then they think oh my gosh okay everything in the world now it's about whether i'll be loved by my parents whether i'll feel a sense of worth whether i'll do well enough to be praised so maybe i won't push myself in that or i won't risk that because if i don't get that goal or if i don't make this drawing that they love what's that going to say about me and, and i don't my think relationship that's, with that's them? um a very kind of articulated and aware thought. No. You know what I mean? It's in there. It's in there. And and yeah. that's why we could question ourselves and be like, I, I don't think just because this that someone's going to love me less, but I feel it I feel when I really look, I feel it in in my being that I have mm-hmm. a fear, that I have an insecurity. Where does that come from? Yeah. This is so much about questioning our our own upbringings and, you know, and our childhood and everything. Yeah. Yeah, but we want our kids to choose harder things. We want them to take more risks. We want them to recover better from mistakes and failure. And that that means we need to praise less. And and that happens when we take ourselves out of the picture, right? Yeah, and do other things. Yeah, Yeah. and I like um, Magda Gerber, who's the the grandmother of Rye, talks so much about sensitive observation Mm -hmm. for, for babies and kids. And it doesn't mean you're sending your kid off to play and you're not a part of it. It means sit down by your baby or sit down by your kid or sit next to them with your book and just watch them. Mm -hmm. You know, she always said something like, observe more and do less. Do less, enjoy more. Yeah. You know, I like how she talks too about how we should let, and I think Janet Lansbury also mentions this quite a bit, is let the child be the script writer, the director, and the actor in his own play. We're just the audience members, right? Mm-hmm. We're not the stand-up comedians telling them, yeah, watch me, watch me. We become the stage hog, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Especially when they're younger and we, we feel that pressure of like, they're just lying there watching me. Mm-hmm. Or they're on the playground and they don't know how to use the playground efficiently, so I'm going to you know, engage with them in a fun way. And tell them how to do it and yeah. tell them why to do it. And, right, yeah. but we can just so easily, that's what I'm starting to realize. Like once these goggles have been on, I'm like, oh my God, like mm-hmm. how easily I overpower and undermine their own connection to their own play. Yeah. And th- that is basically the connection to themselves. That's basically a connection to learning. 
and they're learning something every time. So do I want them to be learning something about me or learning something about themselves? Yeah, I remember also in Simplicity Parenting, when I read this maybe like five years ago, mm-hmm. um, he was talking about walking down the street with his daughter and he saw this cool branch of something and he realized that he said something about it just as she was about to say something or something like that. And it sounds like the most innocuous little thing, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, it put a pin in this idea for him that he's constantly interrupting his kids flow like when i i've had to i've struggled with when i'm driving by myself with the kids to not feel like i have to make conversation and talk to them and ask them questions and engage with them i I see them looking out the window and i'm literally distracting them from whatever they're thinking about Mm -hmm. and not that we shouldn't be playing and shouldn't be talking to our kids but just thinking about it Mm -hmm. you know kim john Payne in the book said is it true is it kind and is it necessary and the is it necessary thing that's a big really stuck out to me because my default is really to just be talking all day probably well and we're all encouraged to do that like to get our kids to learn how to speak uh use lots of words in front of them talk to them them all the time tell them what's going on but Mm -hmm. i think that that's same for me kelty has been a a real eye-opener to be like okay when do I want to talk? I'm just a little more sensitive again about what's going on with my kid and their world. Play doesn't necessarily, which is going to lead us into this next thing, mm-hmm. doesn't what's the have third, third belief doesn't have to uh, necessarily look like playing with blocks. It could be looking out the window. Having like, their imagination is going. Then mm-hmm. they're processing their day. And I mean, so much about all of these freedoms, really, Han, is about doing less and trusting more. Mm-hmm. It's about controlling less. It's about saying less. It's about doing less, and it's about observing and being mindful and aware, and um, and trusting yeah. in them and their capabilities and their beautiful spirits. You <clears throat> well, know, and that that is, I'm starting to realize is helping shift out the roles and responsibilities in our relationship mm-hmm. when we just. Get off the default train and just start noticing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brings us to our third belief, which is play looks one way, which, you know, yeah, play, playing with blocks. It's when our kids are being cute and quiet and it's clean, whatever they're doing. And <laughs> back to the my be, buddy they running. They might be laughing a little bit and, you know, or it's doing something that we like to do playing, right? Mm-hmm. But in reality, no. No, play is very unique and diverse to every person, personality, age, stage, yeah. everything. And it doesn't always look like quote unquote play. No. I you mean, know? even like babies who learn through their senses, you're like, why are you putting gravel in your mouth? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. They're learning about texture and temperature and density and shape, mm-hmm. all of these things. You yeah. know, um, I think that play can so easily look, first of all, obnoxious. Like we talk about the the car car. ride. Yeah, (laughs) right. That, you know, it's loud, it's rude, maybe it's risky, but it's still play. Still play. Right. Yeah. Um, Play can also look really inconvenient. You know, it's messy. They're sitting on a dirt pile, like covering their legs in dirt. Or sometimes when my son (laughs) spills milk Uh on the table, I just see his eyes dilate and then he starts like mushing it around with his hand. You're like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Oh my God. Play. Still play. Right. Yeah. I remember we were at a um, a client's house when we were doing photos more and her son was dumping out all of the Lego bins and then arranging the bins by color. And she was like, he's acting out. This is terrible. does this for attention. Go to timeout. And he was literally play. He was in flow organizing mm-hmm. all of those bins. But it was inconvenient, right? Mm-hmm. It was still play. Yeah. Yeah. What, what else? else? It's conflict-ridden. Mm-hmm. You know, um, frustrations, arguments between your kids, drama, fighting, mm-hmm. exclusion when kids leave other kids out of play. That's all Still play. play. They're learning. It's still important play. Right? They're learning these social and emotional dynamics mm-hmm. through play. And play can be worrisome or mm-hmm. weird, right? Oh, yeah. Like, how many times have you wanted to say, that's not how we play? 
way when you look like you're riding your your you know your sibling like a bull or Uh whatever like (laughs) that's not how we play it can be embarrassing especially in public Mm -hmm. you know there's a huge pressure with with social dynamic stuff right but But it's still play still play yeah Yeah. and last i think for me uh it play can be really triggering it can make Mm -hmm. me feel resentful like you get to just go do whatever you want to do for however long and then you come back and there's food on the table for you Mm -hmm. like what about me where's my play and we'll get into that a little later but it's um play is is requiring us it has required you and me a lot um these past few years to get honest about our kids play and think what why is this play appropriate or this play not appropriate? Is it really a safety issue? Mm-hmm. Is it really unhealthy? Yeah, is is inappropriate really mm-hmm. just an umbrella term for the shit that bothers me or uh-huh. adds work to my life? Yeah. Like emptying the sock drawer. Nope, can't play with those socks. Because mm-hmm. I have to pick them up, that's why. But that was play, dumping all those out. Yeah, you know? totally. It's so crazy. <clears throat> but I think about how, how much we can be... Um, judging and shutting down our kids uh, like I've done this uh, by by con- over controlling their play and I think about that a lot with with people in my lives like even my husband he would go to soccer practice all the time and literally get sent home every single day because he was goofing off he was just playing and he his way of play was different than somebody else's way of play um, Gillian Lynn back in the it must have been 40s or 50s was told that she, her parents were told that she was mentally disabled and uh, because she, finally, she couldn't stop moving she, her body, yep, stuff, she was right? just like cr- like could not con- control her in class, could not focus, and so they went to a specialist finally who said, "Your daughter isn't sick; she is a dancer." And she became I don't know if you guys know Gillian Flynn; she's a choreographer for Cats, Phantom of the Opera. Hmm. Like if she just was different, she didn't fit in that mold. She, her body played a different way. What, what are the eight play personalities that Stuart Brown listed? Um, I mean, there's so many different. Everyone's got different flavors of everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you can identify yourself or your kid in, in you know in a number of these. But there's the Joker, the Kinesthete, the Explorer, the Competitor, the Director, Collector the artist, creator, the storyteller. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just, even reading about those and thinking about those made me realize, oh my gosh, like I don't see necessarily certain things as play, but I also just don't necessarily value uh, play that other people do because it's just not my play style. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't want to like set up a volleyball net to go play right hand. You <clears throat> right. just want to read your book. That's right. your play. Mm, that's my play. Or yeah. storytell, like write a story. Yeah. I think that a lot of us have maybe grown up with a lot of shame around the type of play we have, that it's inappropriate, or that it's too physical, or that it's um, too cerebral, or it's yeah. too messy. There's so much judgment in play. There really is. I, and back to the Janet Lansbury, she's so amazing talking about play, and she gave me such a good lens when we started getting into rye parenting stuff. But I love how she mm. always talks about how play is valuable and it's theirs and it looks different than what we might expect and that their choices are, are, are enough, mm-hmm. you know? And I love that. It could be just a baby just looking at the way shadows move on a wall. I feel like she's talked about. Mm-hmm. And it made me just feel like, okay, what they're doing is enough and I'm enough mm-hmm. as a parent. I don't have to be passing my baby a toy or shaking something in their face or putting music on to entertain them. 
what what they're seeing and doing is enough. That the world, when you think about what the world is like for a baby and for a child, incredibly overwhelming. It is so overwhelming and beautiful. It is just rich with stimulation and Mm -hmm. opportunities for engagement and learning. And that doesn't have to happen from us. That that we can write that off our job description is making our kids play and engaging them in play. Mm -hmm. They will naturally do that so that they can learn. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember going to the zoo with my with my dad when Wilder must have been like 18 months old. And we were walking towards the first thing, um, kind of going up this hill. And she found a hole in the ground. She had a stick. And she just started like playing with this stick in the hole in the ground, was putting stuff in. And every couple minutes of talking, dad would be like, okay, let's go. And at a certain point, I was like, dad, if this is her zoo experience, this is her zoo experience. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I have trouble going to the zoo for lots of reasons, but <laughs> I have trouble going to the zoo because I, I, I'll, I'm noticing all of a sudden, almost every parent is saying, come on, we got to go to the next one. Let's go to the monkeys. And they have an agenda. They have an agenda, but yeah. I'm not even sure they're clear on what their agenda is. Is it to see every single thing? Like, why can't they meet their kids where they are and saying, they're still looking at the orangutan and that's okay. You're not going to be driving home with your two-year-old and they're going to say, what the hell? I didn't. Or, or, ma- they or do. maybe they do. We didn't make yeah. it to the to the lions today. Yeah. Time. We yeah. were really into the monkeys. We stayed there almost the whole time. Next time, let's get to those to those lions. Or we could just say, did you still want to see the lions? Because we're going to be running out of time. Or do you want to stay here? Or that idea of let their play be theirs and their zoo trip be theirs. And then if there's something we want to see, let's not pretend that the kid wanted to see it. Yeah. Let's just say, I wanted to see the penguins. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and separate that a little bit. Um, you know, it's not all about them necessarily mm-hmm. either. But let's honor their play and their experience. Yeah. I think so much of this belief that play is unique and diverse is about hard play, mm-hmm. like like the car situation or like a struggle between siblings, you know? And it, it's okay not to share a book. It was so cool oh, busting a bunch of that stuff, Heather right? Schumacher, yeah. Um, when all of, I mean, Teacher Tom and so many of these free play places, they say like, really, if it's not unsafe, like really they could get very harmed you need to let them do it because as we talked about in this first belief play is valuable it is their way of of creating op- learning opportunities that will prepare them for the real world play is not the real world and i think sometimes we can think that oh the way they're speaking to each other that you can't say that well they're mm-hmm. playing they're practicing cause and effect and they're not going to learn about what to say or not to say from us telling them they're going to learn it through the face on the person who they told it to or yeah. the experience of being left out or the experience of leaving someone out yeah all or of these experience ex- of poking someone with a stick that wasn't like going to poke their eye out but that hurt them a little bit they've Mm got to learn these things as they do it john dewey that shit you Mm -hmm. know learn by doing right yeah (laughs) thanks for reading my mind again you're welcome i mean even like playing out gender roles like which sometimes the kids do like where i'm the mommy and you're the whatever i'm like oh dear god this is killing me Uh but they're playing out some roles you know or um even like the gunplay and things like that that you and i are like no super do not do that yeah they're playing out these things that they're thinking about or or reading about not hopefully not seeing you know too much of um that it's all okay and and we have to come back to how what is we have to look inward one of our empowerments mm -hmm. and say why is this bugging me and is it bugging me enough to need to talk to them to or stop, to circle back later to interrupt to over dominate right. to judge yeah just ha- having that awareness yeah. but even just believing that it's valuable and that all of those things even the hard things they're learning something and that we don't necessarily have to participate for them to learn that thing at all mm-hmm. um okay so those were our three beliefs 
three ways we can support their freedom to play. What would those three things be, Kelty? If we can have three little takeaways okay. real quick. It would be to create clear, open-ended play opportunities. It would be to support by reflecting. Mm-hmm. And it would be to interrupt sensitively. And we sort of talked a little bit about all three of those anyway, but should we go through them real quick? Yeah. Well, so again, goals, we want our kids to be self-directed. So that mm-hmm. means we have to create clear, open-ended opportunities for them to play. So let's create boundaries around where they can play, what they can play with, and then they can just go for it, mm-hmm. right? And we want to make things available and open-ended. So an art drawer of simple supplies, a basket of blocks, a backyard, just stuff that can spur their imaginations, let them follow their own interests, not involve us too much, right? Right. So instead of saying like, let's draw cats or you're bored, go play with this or I'll show you how to play with this. We would say something like, there's fresh paper in the art drawer or I trust you'll find something fun Mm -hmm. or how do you want to play with this toy? Right. Yeah. Number two, we want our kids to be self-focused. So we don't, we support by reflecting. Basically, Mm -hmm. instead of doing praise, right? right, If our kids are looking at at us for feedback, let our responses be a description or a reflection or an inquiry about what they're experiencing. As opposed to a judgment. Exactly, a judgment or direction. So we want to focus on them, not us, and avoid binary judgments and labels. So instead of saying, what a beautiful drawing, we'd say, oh, tell me about it. Instead of saying, oh, you're a good climber, which is very binary. Or you're so fast. You're so fast. We'd say, I see you. Or you climbed all the way up there. Or how does that feel? Right? Mm -hmm. Again, we're we're putting the experience back on theirs, which is theirs to experience. And we also have a goal third for our kids to be self-sustained, self-directed. So we really want to interrupt sensitively so that they can practice that flow. You know, they can, they'll be able to sit in school and write a paper. They'll be able to study mm-hmm. in the evenings. They'll be able to practice the piano or do whatever they feel like, but with a, at a lengthy uh, flow pace. I feel I've know. done that so often when I want to be like, okay, it's time to go or get socks on. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I just yell that without even looking at what they're doing. Yeah. You know, or with babies, you literally just pick them up. Mm-hmm. Just so swoop them up. Just be like, oh, just pick them up. And no eye contact, thing. no words, no ease <clears throat> of picking. Just yeah. swoop them from one thing to the other. Yeah. yeah. And I think so many of the things that I've noticed with resistance around transitions has been because I was not interrupting sensitively mm-hmm. to whatever they were doing. I was literally just like, oh, it's time to whatever. Oh, I want to do this next for us. As opposed to coming over to where they are yeah. and showing interest, right? Right. And so instead of, for example, saying in five minutes we're leaving, I would say, wow, tell me about this tower you've been working on. Cool. Before we go. Yeah. <laughs> do you, do you want to leave it up here for when we get back or do you want to knock it down? So mm-hmm. it's a way of helping move them out of what they're doing respectfully, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the kind of like it's time to go put that away thing does not work with my kids. No. At all. Not at all. Yeah, it's like a challenge to keep going for it fucking is. ever. It's yeah. like, I did want to go to that park. Now I don't want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, so what are some mental mantras that we can sort of recite to ourselves to stay clear on the why and, and our role in s- sensitively supporting our kids play? Uh, I love the Magda Gerber quote, observe more, do less. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get to be an audience member is something I'm trying to remind myself. Again, I'm an audience member. I am not the director. I'm not the actor. Mm-hmm. Um, their play, their rules. So they can play any way they and want. And their rules are so messed up sometimes. Oh my God. You're like, that just defies logic. <laughs> or it's unfair or yeah. it's, you know, um, messy or weird. Uh, but just let them do their thing. And obviously set up agreements about, you know, what's okay and what's not okay beforehand. So then they can just feel safe to play. Um, Kelty, you mentioned, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Mm-hmm. And what we, we really just keep asking ourselves is, is, is it, it necessary? necessary? <laughs> is what I'm doing with my child right now necessary? Yeah. Play is learning is a really big one. Mm-hmm. And this is something I've been trying to tell myself too. 
they don't need a third wheel in their play. And that's sort of like being the audience member. But mm-hmm. but just asking ourselves these questions and, and being aware of our um, of our interactions, if they're dominating, if they're judging, mm-hmm. if they're taking over, if they're interrupting, um, if they're necessary, right? Mm-hmm. I love that. Back to uh, quick about what about us? I think that mm. so much about this and our experience with them is honoring our kids and finding ways to sensitively support them. But so many of the feelings we have around it are about us. What about us? Are we getting our playtime in also? And I mm-hmm. think that's something important to consider. You know, when was the last time? Like we're we're ladies who have quite a bit of of obligations and responsibilities, but like when was the last time we just floated around thinking about nothing or just sat at the piano and saw what came out? Or it did something that felt really good and nourishing where you lose that sense of of time that isn't doing the fucking dishes. Yeah, schedule, quote unquote, unproductive time, which yeah. is very productive, which is play, which is a different kind of work, mm-hmm. you know, which is, you know, a way to kind of express what we believe and what's important to us and who we are underneath that we lose touch of when we're just being productive all over the place. Yeah. Right? And then what about our relationship with our kids where we're like, okay, so I'm never uh, going to participate in their play anymore. No, I just like, have to sit and watch and like, bite my I tongue. Ba- I work full time. I barely see them or I'm sharing them with a um, an ex. Like what mm-hmm. the hell? But I think that there's so many other ways that we can be playing and having fun with our kids that aren't taking them to Disneyland, that aren't build a bear, mm-hmm. that aren't being in their faces while they're playing or being with them on the jungle gym with the other like four-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a couple of options are through caregiving activities, which Rye talks so much about. Mm-hmm. So bathing, bedtime, mealtime. I usually feel like those are the realms where I'm like, oh God, just get through it as fast as we can because they're fraught. But that can actually like, be a positive play experience yeah. between you and your kid. Exactly. And those moments where you have to be with them. It, you know, I think people rush through those those um, kind of activities of daily living and caregiving activities to get to play. Mm-hmm. And instead, let's, let's let them have their independent play and let's use those caregiving activities as real bonding and fun and connection time, right? Right, where we often have to use quite a bit of innovation and creativity and humor. And a we lot. get a lot of connection. It's an opportunity. Yeah. And what's another opportunity to connect I mean, and have fun? Through the Montessori realm um, is through household activities that work together can be fun. So cooking with them, cleaning with them, organizing, you know, How laundry. often are we like, go play so that I can do the housework? Right, yeah. but what's that teaching them? Like yeah. they're not actually learning any of those skills and then we're not bonding through those things either. Yeah. You know, But we, we like to see that as an invitation. Yeah. We're not going to be like, come clean with me or fold laundry. But sometimes if my kid wants me to play and mm-hmm. I would say, well, you can go do your play work and I'm doing mine here folding. Unless you want to fold with me, we mm-hmm. can sing a song while we do it or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, And I think that I think it's so easy for us, lastly, to just feel like the way our kids can feel loved and that we can show our love is to be interacting with them through play. And again, I want to bring us back to that sensitive observation um, from Ryan, from Magda Gerber, that idea that we can just be watching them and holding space and having presence with them as as they move through the world and learn and grow and that they feel that, right? And mm-hmm. that we feel that love for them. And it's a different kind of... Um, of play that we can be experiencing and of connection that we can be experiencing, mm-hmm. um, sharing this realm in our own, doing our own work. Yeah, it's such a good know? reminder too yeah. that they're just going to grow up so fast. Just sit mm-hmm. and watch them, you know, stack the blocks or do that drawing and just soak in every detail. Yeah, get to know them through their independent play. I was reading the Mary Oliver book Upstream the other day, and at the end of one of the chapters, it said, Attention is the beginning of devotion. And I love that 
I like that idea of thinking of attention, not as giving attention to our kids, but as paying attention to our kids and just noticing and watching and observing and that being enough. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's the idea here. Okay, well, tune in for more ways we can support this independent play Mm -hmm. through their environment and our participation in some upcoming Instagram videos. And we're going to get those on YouTube, I swear to God. I just haven't yet. I'm I'm going to do it. Um, Um, We will put books to check out that inform this talk on mm -hmm. our show notes. There are about 10 of them. Um, And we want to hear your thoughts on today's episode. Mm -hmm. You know, how you felt about what we were talking about, where you struggle with play, um, what kind of things you've been realizing with your kids' play, the upsides and downsides and roles and responsibilities, Mm -hmm. right? And you can learn more on our show notes. We'll have all those books and resources and the mantras as well up at upbringing.co forward slash play. And uh, thanks to our techie renaissance dude, Alex, for producing this podcast, editing, music, all the things. Mm -hmm. And as well to our incredibly talented friends, Amber Okamura, who does our art, and Mary Schroeder of Making Type, who does all of our lettering. Lastly, thank you for being here. Mm -hmm. This is a messy and incredibly important job being a parent, and we are going to make a lot of fucking mistakes. Mm -hmm. But that's okay, because our growth depends on it. And if you're here, you're doing the work. And in fact, you're doing an amazing job and we're so proud of you. And we're right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another, one conversation at a time. So thanks for being here. We're all growing up together. Till next time.